You know how last week I opened the show with a fun and spooky ghost noise, Ginny. I was going to do the same this week, but I felt it was inappropriate, really, for this movie. As this movie isn't fun, it's serious and dark and horrible and twisted and nasty compared <laughs> to the movie we talked about last week. Welcome back to Morgan Hasn't Seen. Yay! I like how you start with that and just, it's going to be nasty. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Sometimes nastiness is a good thing. And I've discovered recently, Janine, that apparently when I say the word nasty, you and your nation consider me saying that to be dirty and sordid rather than what I consider it to be, which is just violent and nasty. <laughs> I use the word nasty to mean violent, bloody, horror, dark kind of stuff that's just, oh, that's a grim and nasty. You use nasty to be, oh, let's go, let's talk about that kind of stuff. No. Well, Janet Jackson has a whole song about, about that. Janet Jackson doesn't come into this conversation. Janet Jackson <laughs> is not relevant to this conversation. I think she is. As... The singer of the song Nasty Boys, I think, is very relevant. <laughs> to this yes, you're, you're, a, you're a nasty boy. Somebody... If somebody calls somebody a nasty boy, that would mean that that boy is horrible. Not that that boy is sexually perverse, just that they are an unpleasant person. I think that's fair. I think there's a whole lyrical part where she goes into, who's that eating that nasty food? Nasty boys. Who's that driving that nasty car? Nasty boys. So See, there you go. Nasty food, nasty car, cars and food can't be, well, I suppose they can really, can't they? But anyway, what a, what a lovely opening. Welcome to another episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen, guys. Indeed, indeed. It's still ghostly season. Oh, ghostly season, so fun. I say it's still ghostly season as though it's been going on for ages. It's only, it's only a couple of weeks old. Yes, it's only our second episode in the ghost movies on the show. It is, it is only the second episode of Ghost This Season or Morgan Hasn't Seen. You are quite right, Janine. And we did start off last week with the incredibly silly, ridiculous, light-hearted high spirits. Yeah, starring the goots. Starring the goots, as we <laughs> learned to call him for some reason. <laughs> and more importantly, Peter O'Toole. But and Daryl Hannah, and near enough everybody else. But we've got something much more serious, much darker, and frankly, a hell of a lot scarier and creepier, to be honest with you. It might not be a fun Halloween movie, really, but it's a dark, effective, creepy crime horror movie, I suppose, yes. that with, with plenty of supernatural things going on as well. Stir. Most definitely. Of echoes from 1999. Yeah. We're in this era of supernatural <laughs> horror, and you may be screaming to yourself, going, Oh no, it's not like the House on Haunted Hill remake or the Haunting remake or any of that other 
drivel, is it? And it came out no, around that not. same time, yeah. <laughs> Even though it did come around that same time, and uh, they are other supernatural horror movies. The only horror movies we give credit to, mostly, or the yeah, or subgenre, let's say, in American horror movies in the late nineties, Janine is of course the slasher, which had a little resurgence, as we all know, in the late nineties in the US. Yes. Supernatural horror hmm, was a little on the back burner at that point. You have your few good ones, and you have your couple of decent remakes of the Japanese ones in the early 2000s, even though the Japanese ones tended to be better. You know, the ring and the grudge and that kind of stuff. But I think we got more into that more now of days. I think it's more like the oh, 20, now you that your late 2000s, 2010s kind of it's all about the conjuring and things of that nature. Late, I mean, the, the late noughties is, is a is a poor time for a, a, the American horror movie. <laughs> yeah. It, it is. It's the dark ages. I always like 2005, 2006. So those are not it's just good years so little, for... <laughs> yeah. so little good things in those in in that period of years. But that seems a lifetime ago now. Yes, when you consider where the genre is now. But we should we should start actually talking about this movie that we got talking about today. Well, we actually do have to do something before. We do. We talk about this movie, I suppose, don't we, Janine? What is that? We have to say a huge thank you to the It's a Wonderful Podcast patrons. We certainly do, because every week on a show on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed, we give all our wonderful patrons of It's a Wonderful Podcast a nice, hearty, we love you style. Thank you, because they deserve it. It's the least they deserve. If you would like to join them and become a, patri- a, a patron on Patreon, just go to Patreon, type in It's a Wonderful Podcast. You'll find us and find the tier that's right for you. We would be most grateful for your more than generous support. So thank you, first off, to Maxwell Haddad. And thank you, Amber Coates. Thank you to Abby Friel. Thank you, Ferris Muthana. Thank you to Janine's brother, Justin, 90s Comics Box. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you to Adelaide. Thank you, Christina Farrow. Thank you, Heather Sabian. Thank you, Megan McCurley, a.k.a. Dr. Megs. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to Movie Fenobi Steve. Thank you, Samia Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you, Carla Feese. Thank you, Adam Collins. Thank you, Delisha Butler. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you to the great Ken Napsock. Thank you to our wonderful friends, Tom and Kimber of Odd Shape Channel. And thank you, of course, to Billy Polahan. Yes. Okay, Janine. Stir of Echoes. Why did you pick this one? Was it because it might be the most egregious accent you've ever heard Kevin Bacon produce? I mean, it's pretty it's pretty intense, the accent. <laughs> to say the least, yes, it is. But go ahead. Um, 
this was a movie I watched with uh, my best friend, my high school best friend. We would watch this movie a lot. She introduced this movie to me. And so whenever we were in the mood for something spooky, this is kind of the one we would put on. So even me just kind of posting that that's what I watched, um, she recently commented, she's like, oh, memories, because we used to just throw this one on all the time. Um, yeah, it always felt pretty scary. I liked that there was kind of a mystery to solve with the whole thing. Um, I liked that the twist felt kind of unexpected. And also, yeah. it, it's I love movies giving themselves that rewatchability factor. So once kinds of things are revealed by the end, you can watch it again and kind of look for the things that you didn't pick up on the first time. And I love when you can kind of go back and do that with a movie. Um, Check me if you like this one brings that to the yes. on rewatch. So, so definitely when you kind of get to the end and find out what, what's really going on, you can kind of go back and like look for those clues of, of oh yeah, that was so obvious. I didn't pick up on that the first time. So I love when you can kind of do that with a movie. It gives it kind of longevity in, in that way. So I definitely thought this would be a good one to kind of take a break from the more lighthearted ghost movie. Um, you know, it's spooky season. So I wanted you yeah. to to get a little spooked and, you know, get into that haunted uh, vibe of movies. And like, we get a lot of that now with like conjuring and insidious and paranormal activity, or it's these really kind of intense scares. And I don't think movies of this era really did that that much. So definitely wanted to give you a movie from, uh, you know, an earlier era of, of kind of new horror and that still kind of tried to push the scares like ghost movies that have come out in recent years. Yeah, new. I like that new horror. <laughs> yeah. new, when's the cutoff? Is 90, <laughs> 95 the cutoff, or is just scream the cutoff? I think scream. Scream is like the era of new horror, and we're doing different things, and we're trying different things, and we're being a little bit meta, and you know, or we're really trying to scare you and and be nasty. <laughs> be nasty. I love that. Yeah. I mean, Janine, there are several times on the scale more nasty horror movies that came out decades before this movie yeah that's true any horror from the 70s yes that's probably the nasty one of the nastiest eras of horror 70s is if not the nastiest <laughs> full of nasty horror non-stop nastiness yeah non-stop movies getting banned and just 80s was the well, era freedom of <laughs> freedom of uh movie making yes and 80s was the movie. kind of the era of neutered horror <laughs> a lot a of sen- a lot of censorship stuff and things having to be cut down like i you know have kind of just the spooky season i take you know if if i can't find something to watch i just binge a bunch of you know kill counts on the dead meat youtube channel yeah. and a lot of them you know when they're talking about you know friday the 13th or nightmare on elm streets and he's doing those breakdowns in those movies he's always talking about how the the NPAA cut out you know a bunch of stuff and made them cut a bunch of gore and you know they had to scale back certain things um during that time so definitely well, I think... stuff, stuff in the 70s had to have some things cut out of it, but yeah then you also get last house on the left Ooh. and just horrible to watch movies like that yes like revenge and i horror. i, I, yeah. I re- just revenge i spit on rape your grave, revenge, rape revenge on horror, your grave, yeah. which is just 
it's an evil movie to watch. Yeah. It's a phenomenal movie. Movies like that. And even Last House on the Left. They are excellent movies to watch because they capture that time in horror so perfectly because of how absolutely brutal yes. they are and, and just visceral they kind of are. But that was that's the point of them. You know me, I could go on for a ridiculously lengthy Well, to kind of connect it back. <laughs> yes. Well, to kind of connect it back. This movie does kind of turn a little bit into a rape revenge horror film a bit based on kind of what is revealed. So um was a little way it does, which is is I didn't actually think about that. And that's something well, thank you for bringing that up because it does. It might a little bit be an homage to those older movies. However, on, on a much more let's let's I mean let's call it for what it is. I think Stir of Echoes is a is a very good movie. It's certainly and it is, it's a more nasty movie than you know, high spirits, but it's certainly nowhere near as nasty as as like seventies. Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> yeah, the what I'm I think what I'm trying to say is that it may be a little bit of a homage to that style of horror while being itself tonally a very more of a haunting movie. movie. Well, yeah. yeah, but I mean I mean I mean in terms of the filmmaking, in terms okay. of the actual mm -hmm. movie making. Yeah. A 70s horror movies feel like most of them you watch, you watch Last House on the Left, you watch Hills of Eyes, and I know they're Wes Craven, but you watch things like uh, It's Alive, you watch Alice Sweet Alice, you watch movies like that. They feel like someone is just wandering around with a grainy-looking video camera filming stuff. Yeah. And it isn't like a staged, you've brought up paranormal activity already. It's not like that. Where it's that's the purpose of it. It's found footage, as it were. It, it's not that, but the style of the filmmaking makes it feel like you are watching real horrific events happen. This stir of echoes feels like you're watching horrific events happen in a movie. Yeah, which is fine because it is a movie. All these movies are movies, of course they are, but that's where the visceral nature of a 70s horror comes it's in. It's grittier, it feels more real. Yeah. Exactly. Which isn't there in a movie like this, despite it being effectively very tense, very grim, very real feeling in terms of its subject matter, in terms of its performances, and in terms of this really quite chilling atmosphere it does create. A lot of the time, you get such a nervous, angry performance from Kevin Bacon. It's really quite good. Yeah, I mean, it's, I it's his... Kevin Bacon in this movie. Well, I think part. his he portrayal was, was a horrible person. Well, he was really honest. I think you know, yeah. saying things you're not supposed to say, and you know, doing things that you're not supposed to do. And 
I think that plays into what has happened to him in this movie. Um, so we are set up with this couple, Kevin Bacon and his wife and their young son, Jake, who have just moved into this house. And it's, I believe, like a Chicago, like suburb, like a Chicago neighborhood. And is it, is it, is it, is it Chicago? Chicago? I couldn't tell. I couldn't I, tell if it was Chicago, Janine. It wasn't plainly obvious from the ridiculous accent Kevin Bacon was putting on. I was making a joke. I was making a joke. Was <laughs> yeah. <a> joke. <laughs> it's a in very, Chicago. Yes, it's a very thick accent he's putting on. Um, and it took me out of it a little bit. <clears throat> yes. Um, so you could, they kind of, you know, just lay out that they've just moved into this house and they are renting it from another one of the, the neighbors that they know. Um, but something kind of weird is happening with Jake. You know, we start the whole movie with him in a bathtub, taking a bath. And his dad is like in the other room, Kevin Bacon's in the other room and he's talking to someone and you're kind of like, who is he talking to? <laughs> I'll give you a clue as what stir of echoes he's trying to go for. Basically okay, so, all, no, all no, no, no. missing is a little finger next to him wiggling yes, while he's so talking. We, we are going to talk it, about, we are going to talk about the blatant, the not even subtle ripoff of The Shining that this movie tries to do down to the black bald man with the answers. <laughs> like, don't what do they call it? I remember in Horror Noir they they reference that that kind of character, the yes. spiritual negro. Is that, is that magical? What it's magical <laughs> negro. Very old um, times name. Spike yeah. Lee, I think, came up with that phrase. I believe. Yes, yes. So your magical negro, you have that in there. Um, he is there. And he definitely is giving off, uh, you know, Scatman Carruthers. <laughs> Not quite as good as Scatman Carruthers, though, is he? No. We all but... like Scatman Carruthers. Hey! <laughs> but, um, yeah, so def definite blatant, shining ripoff situation happening in this movie. But we don't get there for a minute, but we do have our creepy kid, which is Jake. Um, and he's talking to someone you don't really know who he's talking to, and then he ends the conversation with does it hurt to be dead or does it hurt to die yeah. or something? And this is what he's it's asking. Like he's this. talking into the camera at this point as well, which I kind of liked. Yes. And he's like, does it hurt to be dead? And like, so then you're like, okay, there's something kind of weird. So maybe you're just thinking, oh, he's talking to an imaginary friend. How cute. And then they end the conversation with that. And then you kind of get your titles and then he goes into the, to the movie. So this is what we're kind of working with here. Uh, creepy he's kid. almost a, a more confident Haley Joel Osment from The Sixth Sense. Yes. He's like, Haley Joel Osment's all like, I don't want to see dead people. I'm scared. Jake's just like, just hey, like, hi, how you doing? Cool. <laughs> yes, you're my friend. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we know Jake is seeing dead people. And um, we're just trying to figure out kind of what's going on from there. So, um, Kevin Bacon's wife, she... Um, her very nosy i believe it's just like her friend i'm like is it her friend or her sister i think it's her um, sister okay i think it's her sister uh yeah because it, it's it's kevin bacon's sister-in-law law I um think that's what the like the the the, 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 the relationship is says yes so she's very kind of obnoxious and she reveals without her sister permission that she is pregnant with their second child and she wasn't going to tell kevin bacon just then and his reaction is not the best. <laughs> so, you know. No, no it isn't. <laughs> so um, Immediately it starts you off. Well, this was what I said before. 
Kevin Bacon was generally quite an unlikable figure. In yeah, this movie. He like played you can it very tell, well. you can tell they care about each other, they love each other, but he's just not in a place in his life. And he does kind of get into that. He talks a little bit about how, you know, I, you know, when we got together, I said I was going to do all of these things and I haven't done them. So it's a lot of kind of self-loathing on his end and him yeah. kind of projecting. And that's where kind of the issue comes in. Um, so he ultimately, you know, realizes what he has said in his reaction is not the best. So he does try to kind of backpedal and tell her he is excited and make her feel good about the situation. But you can tell he's closed off. You can tell he's not as open as he should be. Um, or as he used to be in this or situation. As he, yes. Um, he's kind of, kind of shrunk into himself in a lot of ways. So this prompts his sister-in-law who is into kind of, you know, hypn hypn hypnotizing people and, and you know, uh, astrological signs and all of yeah. those kinds of things. Um, she convinces him in, at a party. Well, he kind of says that he thinks it's all bullshit. So they're all kind of at a party with their neighbors and friends and um, she says she can hypnotize him. And he's like, well, yeah, just do it. This is a bunch of bullshit. You, you can't do this. I, I'm not scared. Just go ahead and try it. So we get to go kind of see the whole, uh, like how what's happening in his head um, when she's trying to hypnotize him, which I really liked how they, how they illustrated that. You know, we're seeing everything he's seeing. Um, you know, she says, you know, pretend you're in a theater and like how it changes yeah. as she's telling him what he should be seeing when she's putting him under. So I really liked how they, how they filmed that, how they kind of illustrated what happens when you're being hypnotized. I thought that was really cool. I frankly always appreciate, you know, in a, a horror from late nineties, early two thousands, that isn't just a slasher movie. The fact that, cause obviously in, in supernatural movies, like this is the, the CG is tends to be, terrible shocking <laughs> awful shambolic horrific and all of those words not in this movie not in this movie the little bit they did have weaved in perfectly nicely yeah was not just an overblown or overblown or bad my we know my my thing with cg and i like you know, you know, I like watching movies that I know are movies and that kind of stuff. I like noticing effects in movies. That's why I obviously like practical effects because I like no noticing potentially how that was done and that kind of stuff. I also like that with CG. I like kind of early CG because I can see what's going into it. CG now tends to be pretty seamless unless it's something really horrendous even up to even you know 10 years ago or whatever it was yeah 20 years ago you're still in this kind of it could be really good it could also be really shocking <laughs> you know yeah and you know like even the even even janine even the absolutely horrendous projecting green screen whatever the hell it is in labyrinth that weird effect where you know the dancing with the i don't remember the names of those creatures but jennifer connelly's dancing yeah mm -hmm. it's the worst computer effect ever 
I love it because it's so blatantly clear what they're doing. Yeah. So I love it for that. It's the next level to that that I don't like where, oh, it's so, it's so nearly there. It's so nearly But it's the there. uncanny valley of like just not exactly. quite right that you, you're totally distracted by it. Um, but exactly. Yeah, I think the CGI they used here to do certain things and the effects that they used just worked perfectly to kind of simulate, you know, his chair, you know, rising above the theater and floating towards the screen and things yeah, like that. Was, it did. There was no issue. I had no issue with effects in this movie, which, it, to be fair, for a horror, a supernatural horror from 1999 has to be applauded, I think. Yes, most definitely, because it could have gotten really gaudy and weird, because that was not a great time for... <laughs> no, I've already brought up that house on Haunted Hill and the home. Or even your mummy, the mummy. It was just not the time for that. But um, yeah, definitely used minimally, sparingly, and really well. Um, So yeah, they do a lot of kind of really cool visuals to illustrate him being put under... And then he kind of wakes up and like doesn't realize what just happened. And everyone's just kind of laughing at him because they saw like how deep he went under, but he didn't even realize. Um, he wakes up like super thirsty and they talk about how she stuck a needle through his hand and he didn't even feel it. And, you know, she tells him to bleed on one side, but not the other, like crazy things happened. And they um, were all kind of witness to it. And he just doesn't even remember what happened. Um, so, after this hypnotizing situation, he, you know, goes back home and, you know, he's just trying to go day by day. But then he starts seeing things. He starts visions hearing things. Visions start popping up. Um, and he's getting really kind of confused and freaked out. He goes downstairs as he can't sleep. Um, and he goes to sit on the couch. He leans forward to turn on the TV. He leans back and there's a girl sitting next to him. And then, you know, a ghost, she, yeah, a g -g -g ghost. <laughs> like he likes to say on, on <laughs> the kill count. I love that. Um, <laughs> um, and then she disappears. So he's starting to have these weird visions. He doesn't know what's going on. Um, even Jake is like making creepy comments. He's like, daddy, you're awake now. Like saying that he was yeah. kind of not present this whole time. And now he's present. He's open to things so he's you know he's having all these really trippy experiences seeing visions all of these weird things um until he finally asks his sister-in-law what did you do like did you throw something else in there while you were you know in my head and she like tries to deny it at first and then she ultimately admits that she did throw a suggestion in there for him to be more open to be more open to things experiences for things to come in, be to for him to allow things to come in, and for him to like be more open to anything and everything. Sounds like one of those times where you have a wish off a genie or a Zoltar machine or something, and it is just twisted to the macabre degree rather than actually what you wanted. Yes, you, know, you get kind like, of a. I wish I was more open-minded. Oh, God, no, I don't mean I want to see spirits. Yes, and that's kind of what happened. So she's trying to put the suggestion in there to make him more open to things and not be so closed off. But ultimately, she's opening him up to a spirit that is trying to tell him something. So Spirit world. He's a seer. What do they call it in this movie? What does he call it, Janine? He's the... got the eyes on him. I think the that's eyes all he... on him. God. <laughs> yes. No, the, the, it's not like the glow. 
or something like that. Not the shining, but they call it the glow. Yes, something like that. That I'm just like, okay. <laughs> it is a ripoff. It is a little. Okay, Dick Halloran. Like, that's not. That's not. Fake Dick Halloran. Right? <laughs> um, this movie plays. <laughs> This My police goodness. officer in this movie. They just told him to be just just do what try to do what Scatman did and, and you'll be all right because that's what we're going for. I mean, he was fine. <laughs> yes, it was just very blatant. <laughs> um, so then there's a situation where um Kevin Bacon's wife, she's trying to find a baby. I think her name's Sarah in the movie. Is that her name? Um yeah, who, who Kevin Bacon's wife? Yes. Maggie, I think. Maggie, okay. Um, she's trying to find a babysitter, and Jake just suggests this girl's name. Um, no, her name's Sarah. The girl's name's Sarah. Sarah. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. Um, so she's trying to think of a babysitter, and Jake gives her a name that is told to him by this spirit that he's talking to. Oh, the girl's and... name's not even Sarah. Samantha. Samantha. Sarah oh my gosh, from? I don't know where I got Sarah from. <laughs> um. So, uh. She's like, okay, uh, Jake, I, I hear you. Let's, let's get this girl to babysit you. So they all go out for the night. And then Kevin Bacon just starts getting this really terrible feeling that something's happened to Jake. So they rush home and the babysitter has gone off with Jake somewhere. Um, he kind of gets this sense of where she where he is and where she is with Jake. So they go to the train station. And um, I guess the girl... She is related to this girl who lived in the neighborhood named Samantha Kozak. And that was her sister. And everyone thinks she went missing, um, but she doesn't believe it. She thinks something happened to her. And Jake was telling her all of these things. Apparently the ghost that Jake has been talking to is the ghost of Samantha. And he was kind of telling her things about Samantha and that he's seen her and all of these things. He's seen her in their house. So that caused the sister to take Jake to, to get to know like what's going on. Did these people kidnap my sister? Why is this little boy saying he sees my sister in your house and freaking yeah. out? And she goes to, to her mother, who is and her and Samantha's mother, who is works at the train station. So they're trying to figure this out. So I I think this girl is totally justified in becoming quite as erratic as she is. Exactly, I really do think she is. If you had a weird six-year-old or however the hell old jake is he ain't that old no he's you like know, he isn't even danny torrent's age oh. is he he's younger than that telling you about your supposed you know missing presumed dead sister but i speak to her all the time she lives here yeah <laughs> why doesn't jake just tell her she's a ghost does jake not know she's a ghost because i'm not being funny she looks like a ghost when she shows up yeah, so I don't know if he just doesn't understand, but he's like knows that she's dead because he's like, does it hurt to be dead? Like, so I don't know why he doesn't just say, you know, your sister died. Jake's here being and... inconvenient. I don't care if he's six year old or five year old. He's being inconvenient to everybody. <laughs> he is the root cause of all the problems. <laughs> so I guess so the movie doesn't end in like 30 minutes time. He doesn't, you know, he only gives her enough information for her to be concerned and curious and like very kind of frustrated about what's going on. So yeah. since Kevin Bacon kind of is building these clues to figure out what's going on and some of this is kind of making sense to him, he, you know, decides not to press charges and um, they take Jake home. But now he's like, okay, who is this Samantha Kozak girl? What is going on? So he decides to ask like some of the other neighbors, you know, his friend who played by Kevin Dunn 
and the the other guy who he's renting the house from yes creepy mustache man yes so he's asking them like hey did you hear about this girl samantha kozak um you know she used to live in this neighborhood like i heard she ran away and this guy this other random guy who keeps referring to her as a very non pc um uh yeah <laughs> who's he he's just some Where other neighbor guy come from yeah just the, annoying everybody yes this very obnoxious neighbor guy who just keeps you know saying the r word <laughs> like, yes um yes so they both seem like oh i'm not sure i think i heard something about her running away but i i, I don't know anything about her um so it's very confusing at this point really i mean yes. I'm, i was quite into the figuring out what was going on it's it's a it's a mystery thriller as much as it is a ghost horror movie this i suppose which is quite yeah a, so, always a nice blend of genres those yeah, definitely. two they, they like together nicely well because a lot of things kind of with ghost stories always kind of tend to be like unfinished business and that's why they're lurking around yeah. and that's why they're angry because you know they're trying to it's, get your attention to you know, bring them to peace. Anything ghost related is usually like, I need to be at peace because this thing hasn't been done in my, while I was alive or whatever. And I need you to figure this out for me because you're of the living world. Is that is actually of... <laughs> the premise of every ghost movie we've covered so far in Ghostly Season, if you think about it. Even High Spirits. Yeah. That, that, you know, it was unfinished. I mean, it wasn't unfinished business. They kind of wanted to get out of what they were doing, really, though, didn't they? That was more what the ghosts were yeah. after in high spirits. But certainly in the two we've done on the main show, it's very much a, I haven't finished what I was doing yet. Yes, or I need you to, to, to finish this for me because I couldn't. Or, yeah. you know, a revenge type situation. So... Um, this one, this one turn, I might turn a little bit into a revenge, yes. revenge as we've already alluded to. Yes. So, um, you know, Kevin Bacon, he's trying to figure out who this Samantha Kozak girl is, what's going on, because he's pretty sure that's the girl he saw. Once he sees a picture of her, he's realizing, oh, that's the yeah. girl I saw on my couch. What is going on here? Um, and so this is kind of where he descends a bit into madness. Like he's he really calling into does. work. He's calling into work. He doesn't know what's going on. Um, you know, he's seeing things. He's freaking out. Um, you know, he's seeing all these visions of like broken fingernails and broken teeth. And, it's, you know, this is the nasty stuff that I was talking about. Yes. Before. Some of this. Oh, oh if, if, if there's one thing that really gets me fingernails and teeth. And they yes, did both, and both of them. I can watch movies, Janine, where people get decapitated after decapitated after, you know, chainsaw into the stomach and lifted up and then piled on a stake <laughs> on the ground or whatever it may be. You can do that all you want in your movie, and I but, won't be. Mm. I won't be affected. But start pulling people's teeth out and or snapping their fingernails, fingernails completely off, off their I nail am, bed. I'm out. Oof. I'm away. <laughs> out. Like yes. You can scalp people if you want. You can like. <laughs> do some of the things that they do in the exorcist or or i talking about i spit on your grave before where literally it's somebody's situation gets cut off 
by it's a revenge thriller. It's a nasty seventies revenge thriller. You can understand what I'm trying to say there. I think um, there was that movie um, where Elliot Page now cut off Patrick Wilson's oh, yeah. situation. Candy. Yeah, hard candy. That's fine. I can deal with that. I can deal with that, and I can deal with that. I'm fine. I can deal with it. it's not happening to me. I can deal with that. But teeth and fingernails, I can't. There's something. It, it, it did both of them several times, and it got me. And I was, I was, in, I was tense for the rest of the movie. I mean, that happened like right at the start as well. It was just really good. It was really effective in keeping me tensed up. And yes. that's what it's trying to do. Exactly. Um, so yeah, he's seeing these really creepy visions. He's asking the neighbors, hey, do you know anything about this? They ask their sons who are about the same age as Samantha, like, hey, do you remember the Samantha Kozak girl? They're like, oh, I've seen her, but I didn't really know her. So nobody's really helping him get any answers. Um, so then he asks his sister-in-law to hypnotize him again to maybe make it go away, make it stop. Um, but she only kind of opens things up more for him. You know, yeah. now, now, you know, he's supposed to be alone in the theater, but Samantha's in the theater with him. And he's like, no, there's somebody here. And she's like, no, there shouldn't be anybody in there with you. It's just you. He's like, no, there's somebody in here. Um, and like, he's supposed to be seeing the word sleep on the screen like he did the first time. But now he's seeing the word dig and like he's getting deeper and it's getting intense. And Samantha's like haunting him in his in his in the middle of him being hypnotized and all of this so it gets very intense until he snaps out of it and like it didn't work how it was supposed to before um so now i think he's even more opened up to samantha kind of messing with him um and i do think it's a shame that kevin bacon's accent occasionally goes a little too far in this movie because his actual performance is really really good yeah he's totally broken he's totally confused you know um so then you know there's a situation where his, his wife uh maggie comes home and she opens the fridge and it's full of orange juice because you know him being in the state is just making him incredibly thirsty and he's in the yard and he's just digging all of these holes he has jake helping him dig holes and because you know the screen scene. told him to dig. <laughs> i love that scene so much she just comes home okay what's going on here and you just get the tracking shot of her going outside past jake just says hello to jake and is just a little bit confused as to why there's all these holes in the garden yeah <laughs> and she just goes to kevin bacon and she goes hi honey what, what are you doing, I'm doing yeah <laughs> i'm digging what's jake doing he's helping <laughs> And Jake's just, he's like, don't worry. It's not over there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> because apparently he knows it's not over there. You know, the ghost he doesn't know what he's me. digging for. but he... He's no idea what he's digging for. He just knows that he has to dig. dig. <laughs> the garden is a mess. And Jake's there with a little toy spade digging. Yeah. In the garden. And Happy then we... as anything. Yes, just helping daddy. So then, you know, we do get a very interesting scene where he's not just opened up to Samantha's ghost. Um, he's kind of opened up to just the supernatural in general. Um, yeah. Maggie had gotten uh, uh, a letter faxed from her brother talking about their grandma's back in the hospital and all of these things. And then There's something you've not seen in a movie for a long time, Janine. A fax, fax machine, machine yes. And then Kevin Bacon is about to say something. He's like, oh, well, your grandma. And then she's, he stops himself. And she's like, what? 
And he's like, oh, oh, nothing. And then the phone rings and then she gets word that her grandma died. And like, so he, he you know, he and he pours her some orange juice. He like, he pours, like, he he's like, okay, we need to talk, but I don't really want to talk, but I don't want to close her out. But I, <laughs> so I'm just going to pour her a glass of orange juice and pour me a glass of orange juice. And then he like looks and he's like waiting for her to drink it. And when she doesn't drink it, he just drinks it because he's so thirsty. Well, that's- <laughs> that's right after that's right after he's had an argument with her yeah because there's been because he, he keeps going on about how this is the most important thing that's ever happened to him he yes. has to do this he's got such a meaningless life yes and, and so she of course takes I a huge offense to, to that yeah he you know she he, his wife is hearing him saying my life is meaningless <laughs> i mean nothing this is the most important thing that's ever happened to me. And she's there going, oh, well. I'm glad me and Jake are part of your meaningless life. Like, so obviously she's pissed. So he realizes what he has said. Because, yeah, at this point, he's open to just saying whatever comes into his mind. Um, He's not thinking (laughs) is he? That is the point. He's descent into madness and all that. So then, yes, that's when he pours her the orange juice as, like, a peace offering. But then, like, and he, I like that he just keeps looking, waiting for her to drink it. And she's ignoring him reading the paper, reading her letter from her brother. And um, then he just the movie's 90 minutes long. Kevin Bacon's on edge for 85 minutes. Yes, for the the bulk of the film. He's kind of normal for about the first 10 minutes. And then he starts, like, dissolving into madness. Um, So then, yeah, you get the sense that he knew her grandma died. Like, he already had known that, but he couldn't say. So as soon as she comes out of the house, he says, I'm so sorry, honey. And then she tells him that what happened. So like, and she's like, you knew, didn't you? So she's like sensing this too. And she's also shining. Yes. And she's also starting to notice some weird things with Jake and him talking to somebody and all of these different things with Jake as well. Um, so then she's like telling him, Hey, so we can drive down to the funeral, da, 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 all this stuff. And he's like, Oh, you want me to go with you? And <laughs> She's like, of course I want you to go with me. It's my grandmother. She practically raised me. Like, what is wrong with you? So things are not great with them. What does he say? Obviously. What does he, he says, I mean, it's it's kind of hilarious in a very dark way, actually, what he says. He, it's like, you know, you want me to go with you to your grandmother's funeral? She says that, that you've just said. And then I'm fairly certain, he says, I'm kind of in the middle of something. Yes! <laughs> Yes, he does. What? Digging your holes for for what? Um, And on top of that, he's also... Ruining the rented house that we've got. (laughs) Yes. So then, you know, the neighbor guy who does own that house is kind of getting suspicious. Like, what's going on? I hear you're, like, digging up my house and this and that. He's like, oh, no, just doing some renovating. It's fine. Um, But definitely not the case. He's totally effing up this house. (laughs) We've not even talked about the... Uh, details of the scene where the genuine shining ripoffs come from. Oh yes, well I was going to just mention really quick that also on top of him feeling like he needs to dig these holes he's gotten obsessed with trying to figure out this song he's heard a song in his head, in in his visions Jake has been humming this song and he's trying to figure out what song it is so he's going through all his CDs, he's playing on his guitar he's trying to figure out what this song is so he's obsessing over that, he stays up all night trying to find this song and then he gets into this crazy digging so just many things showing his he doesn't sleep sleep. he does is dig and listen to music and drink orange juice and freak the fuck out so um, then we get a scene where 
Maggie's playing with Jake. They're like running down the street and playing and she's like mimicking him. And then they come upon a funeral um, and they pass like the cemetery. And so Jake kind of wanders in there. So she follows him. And... I kind of love Jake <laughs> because he's so into death. Right? Like he's not I even that's a morbid it. thing to say. But he's like so fascinated by it. He's like, yeah, let's go play the graveyard. This really, really gothic, creepy cemetery that a six-year-old should not be so excited about, but is. He's very excited. I'm into um, that kind of vibe. So then, yeah, <laughs> that, that's totally you. Um, it is. So then they come across this man who is definitely a Dick Holleran ripoff, and he kind yes. of, he senses something in Jake, and he kind of vaguely mentions, like, how long has he had it? And she's like, wait, what? And like the shiny, <laughs> yeah. Um, I Tony, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this guy who she doesn't even know is this magical Negro is telling her, "Hey, um, you know what? So what's going on with your son? I sense this in him, you know." And then, uh, she talks about you know her husband potentially. He kind of senses yeah. that there's something going on with her husband as well, and so he tells her, "Come to this address. I'll have answers for you." So she's like. My husband's going crazy. There's something weird going on with my kid. What do I have to lose? So she goes down there and he's like in this, you know, magical Negroes meeting. I don't know with all these other magical people. It literally, that's <laughs> exactly what it looks like. And um, they're like, you know, telling him, you know, either close the door because this is private or do what you got to do. So then he closes the door. He's out in the alley talking to Maggie and he's telling her, you know, what's going on. Like he, you know, Jake is really in tuned. He's really good with, you know, the, the eyes that he has on him. And, um, but your husband, he's opened himself up he, and he kind of equates it to being in a tunnel, a dark tunnel, but the flashlight keeps going on and off. So he's getting little pieces of, of, of information at a time. Um, and it's all coming in at him all at once as well. So it's hard for him that to put it together. It, yes. It's hard for him to figure out what's going on. He's only getting like, he's getting everything, but he's getting it in these weird sporadic bursts. Um, whereas Jake is getting, you know, you know, he has a better flashlight, he says, and he can see everything much clearer. Yeah. It's just like, at that point, it makes sense because yes, you would be confused if you just got little inklings of information that you were trying to piece together but you couldn't rather than what jake has where his own real life but then he also knows all these details about all these other things going on that aren't in his life but at least he knows the full story of these things that's exactly going on and not affecting him and what kind of leads to us needing this explanation is that jake kind of starts having these little fights with samantha like, yeah. he's trying to watch some little silly kid show, and Samantha keeps turning it to, I think, Night of the Living Dead. It is Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> Samantha's insisting he watches Night of the Living Dead as a six-year-old. And he's, like, fighting with her. He's like, no, I want to watch this. And he's changing it, and Samantha keeps changing it until she, like, bursts the TV or something, right? I think yeah. she like... So, um, then the, our, uh, you know, discount Dick Halloran explains that, like, you know... Discount Dick. <laughs> if you... <laughs> It sounds like a used car salesman. <laughs> yes, exactly. Hey, for all your needs, come to Discount Dicks. <laughs> 31 Baker Avenue. 
Ring. Oh my gosh. Oh eight hundred seven one three four two five. Ghostly discounts. <laughs> I'm discount, discount Dick. Dick. <laughs> Best discounts in nowhere, Minneapolis. That's not a place. I was just trying to say random American words. Then. <laughs> wow. Nowhere, Minneapolis isn't even a thing. That's Minneapolis, Minnesota. But okay. If I were American, I would be offended. Um, you should but... be because all of your car commercials are like that. Yes, essentially. Um. So yeah, then he's explaining to Maggie that well, yeah, she's getting more and more angry that you know he's not doing the thing she's trying to get him to do. So he needs to, you need to figure out what she wants and how to do it for her because she's starting to get mad that it's not getting done. So he's got to do her thing or shit's going to get real. Basically is what he tells them. So now we kind of have an idea of what's going on. Samantha is kind of haunting them because something has happened to her. She wants them to figure it out so that she can be freed um, and move on with her afterlife. Um, so so now we kind of are more figuring out, okay, this is what's going on. Um, so Kevin Bacon buys a jackhammer. <laughs> yes. So Maggie and Jake, you know, she she's just very frustrated with him. She wants to get Jake out of the house anyway and and away from Kevin Bacon and all his craziness. Um and she she's also has a weird because he might turn into Jack Torrance. And stuff. Yes, and so she Round is getting a weird yes she is giving getting she's she is kind of believing what has been going on and she's getting a weird sense of like all this supernatural stuff maybe potentially being real so she decides okay i'm gonna go to this funeral i'm gonna take jake with me you stay here and figure out your shit so she takes them away to the funeral and kevin bacon is at the house on his own and um it's a dangerous place for him to be (laughs) Yes, but even, oh, I think right before that, he also has an incident as well where he sees something happen before it happens. So he sees his neighbor, Kevin, the Kevin Dunn guy sitting on the porch talking about this is a good neighborhood. Things like this don't happen here. Oh, yeah. And... That, that that line is said a number of times by Kevin Dunn. Actually, they were going to kill. They were going to kill you and Maggie both and all of this stuff. So he says he sees Kevin Dunn saying all of this. Then he leaves, because Kevin Dunn, I think, was on his porch, and he says all of this. Yeah. And then Kevin Bacon walks up the street. He sees, like, a, a male woman. He sees a dog barking. He sees all of these things. And then he goes to, um, uh, um, I think he goes to an abandoned house, or he goes to Kevin Dunn's house. And he walks in, and he sees Kevin Dunn's son. And he's yeah. being he's being really weird, and he's like, "Hey, you want to see something cool?" And he's like, "What?" And he's like, "Uh, this." And he pulls out a gun, and he's being really weird with it. And Kevin Bacon is trying to calm him down, and then he points the gun at Kevin Bacon, only to shoot himself in the side. And then, yeah. like, he sees him wiping blood all over his face, and then Kevin Bacon wakes up, and it's like a weird. It was like a weird vision, but he still has a weird feeling, so he decides to go walk down to Kevin Dunn's house still. And is he seeing the same things, the male woman, the dog barking, all the same things. Um, and he walks in he, and he hesitates for a minute and then he hears the gunshot. So what he had seen in his vision actually happened. Kevin Dunson shot himself. Um, so an ambulance comes, picks him up. Um, so that's another thing that has happened that is yeah. like, you're like, what is going on with all of this? So then Maggie, yes, she does take Jake away to her grandmother's funeral. Kevin Bacon's there alone. and he 
gets a jackhammer, like you said. And so he's like, okay, maybe I need to dig in the basement. So then he goes from the yard to starting to dig in the basement. And he, as he's digging, he hits a wall and the wall opens up. And this is where we find Samantha's body, skeletal body. And she has hair in her hand and he ends up touching her hand and seeing what happened to her. Yeah, Edgar so, Allan Poe style <laughs> vision buried in the wall. Yes, so um, we see what happened to Samantha. She went into Kevin Bacon's house, or um, and well, she was yes, because we 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 all was we get all the answers at this point. Don't yes, we? so we got, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it <laughs> okay, properly okay. because I think it's it's well, well. Do you want to? I mean, is it is it such a significant? movie to talk about the twist of this far into an episode if 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 we don't yeah i mean so at a certain point people people can go watch the movie and then come back and listen to this last little part if they don't want to be spoiled yeah um so yeah spoilers for this movie that came out in 1999 (laughs) yes but you still it's 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 worth it's worth saying when it's when a movie has a significant twist as this one does have yes. i suppose doesn't it or yes. a significant reveal at least yes um yes kevin bacon's at being aggressive digging with his jackhammer he hits the uh, the loose brick wall accidentally they fall away and he starts rummaging through them like some sort of feral animal yes <laughs> finds the buried Skeletal in the wall body. skeleton of samantha touches her hand as you said and then we get a nice five minute long vision scene yes so samantha is walking and we get it from her perspective so she's walking down the sidewalk and she sees this guy at a house and it's it is um the son of the the owner mustache mustache man who owns that house who owns kevin bacon's house and he's renting it from him um, and he's like, hey, you want to see something cool? You want to come hang out with us? And she's like the shy girl who, you know, so she she does. She's like, oh, I'm sure. So she goes into the house and she's hanging out with them. And, um, you know, they're both kind of circling her and being a little bit intimidating. But, you know, she's uh, she's shy. She's nervous. She she maybe wants attention from boys, but doesn't know how to do that because she has glasses and um, oh goodness me she has yeah glasses. she has glasses and she's, she's all that all over <laughs> right so she they play her up as this and has stains on her clothes the worst <laughs> two things so hideous can have. so hideous so they try to just play her up as like this shy like kind of geeky girl um and so ultimately she kind of gives uh one of so it is kevin dunn's son and the mustache rental guy's son and um you know they are trying to get her to drink and, you know, she's trying to like, just be cool and impress them. So she lets one of them kiss her and he starts being very rough with her. And she's like, okay, you can, but just not like that. But then they get very rough with her. And so ultimately she's like, okay, I want to leave, but they won't let her leave. He grabs her. They start playing music, which the song they end up playing is Paint It Black. Yeah. And that is the song that Jake was humming. That is the song Kevin Bacon was trying to figure out because that song is playing you know, as they assault poor Samantha, they, you know, hold her down, like they push her down to the ground and that's how she loses her tooth. Um, She's trying to fight them and, and get away. And she's pushing so hard on the ground that her nail breaks off. It's horrible. Um, My legs go every time I even think about it. She tries to, she scratches him. She tries to pull his hair. 
she tries to get away. Um, Gets a chunk of her. Yes. So he's assaulting her. And then he tells the other guy, uh, Kevin Dunn's son, to grab something to cover her face or cover her mouth, get your coat or something, because she's being really loud and screaming. And this is like a new house that they're, you know, getting ready to renovate for, for Kevin Bacon to move in. So yes, there's... isn't this also the middle of the day? Yes. So there is like plastic tarps everywhere. So he grabs a plastic tarp and puts that over Samantha's face. And it ultimately suffocates her and she dies. And so then they're both and like... And she starts to look like the the one kill from Black Christmas. Yes. And I like how they did the shot of kind of like, because we're in Samantha's POV this whole time. We're yeah. seeing everything from her perspective. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so as like the life is leaving her body, it's almost like the whole kind of sunk in place get out yeah. kind of filming as she's kind of sinking back away from them and they're just having this whole commentary like oh my gosh I think she's dead I can't believe you did that why would you put that plastic over her face and they're just having this whole conversation and like she's sinking slowly and slowly into the back like and you feel that sinking back so you get that feeling of her slowly losing life um so I let that was really kind of clever the way they put her us in her POV and how they kind of depicted her losing life you know slowly like that as you can see them above her just having this ridiculous kind of conversation about what they did um so yeah he sees fully what happened to samantha um so then he goes to kevin dunn who he considers a friend and tells him hey i don't yes, want you to this Bacon does at this point we're out of the vision now we've learned yes. what happened um so he goes to Kevin Dunn and he tells him, hey, I don't want you to see this on the news. I want to tell you the truth. Um, we have to go to the police. You know, your son was involved in the situation. Um, I found her body in my wall and all of these things. And then Kevin Dunn is kind of weird about it. He's like, you know, what were we supposed to do? We had to help them cover it up. Like, you know, she was already dead there was nothing we could do about it so ruin their whole lives and they kind of like hinted earlier that like their sons were both kind of on this track to do like or kevin dunn's son anyway was on track to like do some football things yeah. or some sports things and stuff so they were kind of like she was already dead at this point like so what were we gonna do just ruin their lives over something that you know was already done and one and done um but obviously kevin dunn's son couldn't take the guilt Yes, and that's why his son shot himself because he has been dealing with his guilt over what had, has happened. And even Kevin Bacon. So then you kind of, that's why I said about the rewatchability. You watch it again and you kind of see that whole exchange when Kevin Bacon is asking everybody about Samantha Kozak and everyone yeah. kind of has these weird responses. Um, you kind of read those a lot differently when you watch it a second time. Um, so yeah, obviously Kevin Dunson having a lot of guilt and that's why he shot himself. And even Kevin uh, Kevin Dunn is down there now. He has a gun, and yeah. he's he's like threatening Kevin Bacon with a gun. He's like, "Get out of here!" So Kevin Bacon leaves the basement um, with Kevin Dunn in there with a gun, and he hears the gunshot go off. So then you're kind of okay. Did Kevin Dunn like he's he having trouble with the guilt as well, and he's killed himself? Like what is going on? So then, as Kevin Bacon leaves the basement, he comes up to the, the upper floor. He gets a knock on the door, and it's the. Uh, the rental mustache man and his son and 
they're just kind of trying to be under the skies of, oh, you know, I heard a lot of noise and banging. You know, what are you doing in my house? I just wanted to check and make sure, you know, you weren't. He's like, oh, no, just doing some renovations. You know, it's going to be fine. And so now Kevin Bacon knows that they were in on it, that they all worked together to hide Samantha's body in his house and all of these things. So he, you know, knows not to trust them. So he's just trying to yeah, play it there's cool. Only, there's only one reason they're there. Yes. At this point. Anyway. Yes, because now they are on to the fact that Kevin Bacon probably knows what's going on and he's figured it out. So they are just like, um, so Kevin Bacon's like, oh, you know, there was something wrong with uh, the the power lines or something. And I was trying to get under the house to get to them. Water, actually, the water it? lines or something. Yeah. He makes some excuse of why he was digging and looking around. But um, as of then, the guy kind of calls him on and says, you know, those lines don't run under the house. Um, Should mention at this point, Kevin Bacon's had a phone call from his wife. Oh, yes. That she's on her way to pick him up. Um, and they've had another bit of a reconciliation after an argument. Yeah. As they do several thousand times in this <laughs> Because movie, you know they do love each other. It's just he's oh, yeah. in a weird place. Uh, and yeah, then, it's a fair. Yeah. Yes. And then now he's going through all these things. So he's even in an even weirder place. <laughs> you said quite early on in this episode, it's a fair point. It's a very honest, real kind of movie in the yes. Yes. relationship. And it, and it does very much feel that way. Uh, but yes, they've had a phone call. Jake has stayed at the... House funeral funeral with his being... with his aunt yes with the sister-in-law yes. who did the whole hypnot hypnotizing um his wife is only his wife is driving all the way back she'll be there which, in however long yes because kevin bacon was like oh no don't she's like i'll come pick you up you know we miss you want you here i'll come pick you up and he's like no no no, 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 no his you're... wife has no idea that he's been digging in the basement no so she's like I'll, i'm coming to pick you up he's like no 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 you don't have to. she's like no i'll be there in a minute i'll honk when i'm out there and hangs up the yeah. phone. So he's trying to tell her not to come, but she's already on her way. And Jake says something interesting too. She's like, come on, Jake, let's go home. Uh, let's go get dad. And he's like, no, I don't want to go home. I'm scared. She's like, of what? He's like, the feathers. And she's like, what do you mean the yeah. feathers? She's like, I don't know. Just the feathers. I'm scared of the feathers. I don't want to go home. So she's like, okay. So she leaves Jake with her sister. She drives to go see Kevin Bacon. And so we know she's on her way. Kevin Bacon is trying to hide the fact that he knows anything from these two guys who he's really not getting the good vibes from. Um, so then it's very clear that they know he knows about Samantha. They need to hide their secret. So they are kind of there to kill him. So guns come out, fight ensues between, you know, the son and the mustache guy and Kevin Bacon and, you know, a big tussle kind of breaks out. Um, and as as things kind of escalate, we hear Maggie honking outside. And so they kind of try to go quiet. And so Maggie's like walks up to the house. She sees the lights weirdly kind of go off and she doesn't know what's going on, but she doesn't have a good feeling. So she goes and she gets her knife um, yeah. as she walks up to the house. Um, so things are going kind of crazy. And then um, it looks like they're about to kill Kevin Bacon. And then Kevin Dunn does come out, out from the basement and shoots both of them. And saves Dr. Kevin Loomis Bacon. style. <laughs> yes. Saves the day. He <laughs> yes. hasn't shot himself. No. How does he get out the basement so quickly? Who knows? Yes. So he's, he ends up saving Kevin Bacon um, because he did have his own guilt about, you know, it, it's obvious 
the mustache man and his son were kind of the ringleaders of the situation that they didn't really have any problem with hiding Samantha's body. And yeah. even the mustache guy's son was the one who was more of the aggressor. And yeah. Kevin Dunn's son was more just kind of going along with whatever. So Kevin, and Kevin Dunn keeps bringing up this whole this is a good neighborhood. So yeah, so then Kevin Dunn is on the porch and he's he, yeah, he's saying the thing that he Kevin Bacon saw him say in the vision. So when he said that the first time, that was a vision for Kevin Bacon. No, but he was, didn't he say it like really early on in the movie, like like that first party, just casually, just like oh well, yeah, oh yeah, nothing ever bad happens happens here. here. Yeah, he did say something like that, similar to that. So then, but him whole, saying that whole line about he was yeah. gonna kill you and Maggie both and all of that, he said yeah. that in Kevin Bacon's earlier vision. But then we see this is him really saying it on the porch after he's killed those two guys and all the truth has come out. So then now that the truth has come out about Samantha and what has happened to her, um, we see Samantha's ghost kind of, you know, she, she gets her coat back and she gets her glasses back and she kind of peacefully is able to, to be freed from skips off quite happily. doesn't? Yes. And then her sister and mother do get that kind of peace of mind, knowing the truth about what happened to her and all of that. So Samantha now can be at peace because the truth has come out. So obviously Kevin Bacon and Maggie and Jake leave that house. And as that whole kind of fight ensued, um, when Kevin Dunn shot the mustache guy, he fell back and his gun shot up and hit Jake's pillow and feathers came flying out. So had Jake gone home and like the mom put yeah, him in his bed, bed, Jake would have been dead. So that's why he was scared of the feathers because the gun like shot from the downstairs to the upstairs through his pillow where the feathers came out. So, and as we all know, Janine, having the power of the shining is always <laughs> a positive thing. Yes. It saves your life. It saves it lives. Saves <laughs> shining saves lives. Hashtag yes. SSL. Shining yes. saves lives. <laughs> exactly. So um, they obviously move out of that neighborhood, move out of that house. Um, and we see they're kind of back on the same, you know, level as a couple. They're they're more, yeah. you know, happy, whatever. So they're leaving. And as we're driving away, Jake is hearing voices and things are talking to him and calling his name and asking him for help. So that this is not the end of Jake's uh, shining ability. Of echoes too. <laughs> yes. Let's so figure out another mystery. But at, so, yes. at, at this point, isn't Kevin Bacon going to be more a more more open in his mind or more able to shine? Let's say and be kind of. He's not going to go crazy this time. Is he just going to be like, oh, there's a ghost. Okay, what's your issue? Right, what do let's you go need? and get exalted. Come yeah, on. so I'm sure they started a whole ghost detective agency and they just help, yeah. <laughs> help ghosts solve their problems. I don't know. Like, but yes, like as we're driving away, we hear this flood of ghostly voices talking to Jake. Um, so that's kind of how the movie ends. And yeah. It's very nice. It's a very satisfying ending. We, it's her. Not, not every horror movie has truly pleasant, happy endings. But I suppose <laughs> no. this one did. This is happy for the most part, I would say. It's even happy on the ghosts part yeah. as well, because like the ghost gets what you know the the closure the ghost wanted. Yeah, and revenge. Exactly. 
on the people who did that to her. Unnecessary people. Don't go into weird houses with people you don't trust. Yeah, or no, because, yeah. Basically, is the uh, moral of the tale in Stir of Echoes. And don't get hypnotized when we're all fully aware that hypnotizing or hypnosis is real. And unless you're prepared for the ghosts that come with it, which Kevin Bacon clearly wasn't, but now is a experienced ghost dealer, not dealer. That sounds weird. That sounds like <laughs> he brings ghosts out of his coat pocket and exchanges them for large sums of money. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? He's Deals ghost, with ghosts. He's a ghost whisperer. Ghost whisperer. There you Jennifer go. Love Hewitt. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It was a good movie. It's a very good movie. Yeah, you liked yeah, it. I, I I did enjoy it. Okay. I did. I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it as a very, like I said, it it was quite a, it was quite a tense movie. There's very little lightness. You know, there's nothing. You don't even get scenes that feel like slightly like, comical or anything. No, but like that feel like, oh, this is a bit of a relief now. Yeah. It is just one big build. Yes. Scene after scene after scene. The visions really get more sick. intense and and more scary and more like, what the hell? Um, it releases, but it only, only releases at the end, at the climax yeah. of the movie. It doesn't temporarily release a little bit in, you know, like when some horror movies, like they have the first big scary night and then it's always oh, daytime. Now we can sit and figure out what's just happened. Yeah. And then it'll get worse. No, there was none of that in Stir of Echoes. It's a very tense movie. Very effective movie. Well done. Applause, applause. Ooh, Enjoyed yeah. it. I don't think I'd go back and re-watch it necessarily. I mean, you say it was worth re-watching to pick up on all these things. So maybe I'll go back and do that. But for Halloween, yeah, I it's, think it's not fair. necessarily a halloween Oh yeah, let's. I know what movie we can watch tonight. I'm going to really enjoy Stir of Echoes. It's not necessarily. No, it's not. I wouldn't call it specifically a, a Halloween kind of spooky season movie. It's a movie that if you want something a little bit tense or a really good story, um, yeah, yeah, it's a really, really effective, really effective supernatural thriller, mm-hmm. which is what you wanted. Changing it up, Janine. Var- yes. The variations of ghostly season. On Morgan hasn't seen, which are where we always like. We always like switching it up, changing it up, doing that kind of stuff. Because I think we're going a little bit lighter next week. Well, also another change up. This will also be a Janine hasn't seen. Oh, (laughs) it'll be a first time watch for me as well. Uh, Next week we will be talking The Frighteners with Michael J. Fox. So there you go. It's been Lovely on my list stuff. for a minute, and people always tell me it's a really good movie. So, I, but I've never seen it. So, um, well, that's what's coming up next week yeah. on Ghost Movies. Morgan hasn't seen The Frighteners, but definitely go and watch Stir of Echoes if you haven't. It's more than worthwhile. Do not lump it with the other general nonsense of supernatural American horror movies that come but out d- in the late nineties, early two thousand. Yeah, I mean, definitely in a time where. 
um, movies like this genre were of its time. And so late 90s, 2000s, yeah, it doesn't the ridiculous feel. rock music and yeah. the extreme, it just nonsensical gore and violence that just didn't feel like it made sense. Um, this is definitely feels like a movie that you would see today, like a conjuring or something that's more um, smart with, it, it, with how it, it uses its movie of its time, which is no a great deal to its benefit. Aside from the fax machine, I think this movie could happen. And oh, sure, but my God, I mean, we are <laughs> nitpicking if that's going to be a problem. Well, I'm, I'm just saying the only thing that kind of makes it read as 1999 is the fax machine. <laughs> well, yeah, but I don't, I, I never, I never think that in movie, you know, appliances or in movie outfits or in movie technology ever date ever is what dates a movie what dates a movie is the style of the movie yeah. what dates a movie is the way it's made and the stupid choices made with music as you've yeah. just said final destination perfectly you know final destination one yes but once you start getting into it <laughs> final destination four is the Ooh. worst movie of all time because it's so unbelievably 2007 yeah <laughs> that it's just too much that's, that's what bad. i mean like this movie was not unbelievably 1999 no it just you could tell it came out around then but it wasn't a, a product of its time yeah much like 70s horror movies are very obviously 70s horror movies but they're not, it's not, you know, you don't, you're not bothered by it. Yeah. Unless it's the wrong, I don't know. I don't know why you would be. There's a weird, we know that there's a weird kind of alt-rock soundtracky, grungy, intense movie style. aesthetic yeah of the, the late is, 90s 2000s it? that just happens yeah and maybe in 20 years time Janine maybe we'll look back at that and enjoy it phenomenally maybe we will maybe we're just not at that stage yet maybe who knows who knows but there we go I think that's gonna do it Janine is it I think so Another lovely episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen. Stay tuned for The Frighteners next week. And stay tuned on Friday for me and Janine on the main show with 13 Ghosts. Deja Vu episode. 1960, William Castle, 13 Ghosts. And the one from 2003. 2001. Which, or 2001. I'm sure. Is it, is it I'm not pretty sure 2001. 2001. Which is very much the movies we were kind of referencing that are. It is 2001. Uh, <laughs> which is very 2001. Mm, it's very, very 2001. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes, it is. Anyway, that's what's coming up on Friday. So stay tuned for that as well. Fun times on Ghostly Season. I hope everybody else is really into their Halloween movie watching at this point as well. If you're not into it now, you need to max out these last few weeks of October. You know, these last couple of weeks now, just get in, get really into it. I'm already fully there. <laughs>
And same. Watch I'm plenty of things. Watching happy. a horror movie every night or a Halloween Perfect. movie every night this month. So very exciting. Perfect. There we go. As I've just said, Morgan hasn't seen is not the only show you can find on this feed. The main show every Friday, of course, as I've just discussed. But we also have Machine Mondays every Monday with yourself, Janine, talking on the Schmodown things. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have you covered on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed. I've already talked about the Patreon before, but we also have the It's a Wonderful podcast YouTube channel that we are trying to bring some nice, uh, hopefully, at least one. Halloween based watch along. Yes. I would hope at the end of October. And uh, hopefully some other live uh, discussions as well on uh, things that we want to talk about because we we enjoy doing that. It is just about finding the time. It really is because that's that sort of stuff's hard. Yeah. To find the time, unfortunately. But that is there. Subscribe there. Do your notification bells to get alerts on when we are doing new fun things over there you can find the show on twitter at it's a wonderful one find me on twitter at the purple dawn with a three instead of the e in the because janine three is a magic number on instagram at just the purple dawn all your spooktacular stuff is you can find me at janine to underscore on twitter janine to on instagram and if you want to get any merch for any of our shows or check out any of my artwork you can find all of that at my t public shop at g9 design on tpublic.com yeah any more kevin bacon movies for us it's funny because kevin bacon really in britain is more well known for anything at the moment for all for the last good few years actually for phone company commercials really what yeah seriously he just sits on benches flogging phone contracts what? 35 pounds a month for premium 5g what on this new samsung galaxy s21 from ee i'm kevin bacon why do they have kevin bacon and not like a british person i don't know why they have kevin <laughs> i've never known why they have kevin bacon doing it but they do have kevin bacon doing it oh, interesting i don't even think he's done a movie where he's had to play a british person ever like, he's not doing just... a british accent he's just <laughs> no kevin i'm bacon. just saying like he's never done anything where he would even be kind of related to a british aesthetic before you know <laughs> maybe he's changed maybe he's just changed He's not Footloose anymore. He's not Stir of Echoes anymore. He's not Wow, I, I, I just did not think he had that kind of reach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't People even know Kevin he had Bacon. an international flair. People love Kevin Bacon. He's like one of those cheap magazine sexiest men on British TV kind of situations. <laughs> okay. I think he is anyway. Not that I pay too much attention to any of that. <laughs> obviously <Fair enough. laughs> i don't know anyway there we go janine kevin bacon's bad chicago oh, oh my gosh i was waiting for this i'm scared okay um <laughs> three <laughs> three <laughs> two one <laughs> so bad bye, bye. bye. <laughs> why do you do this to me <laughs> kelsey it's fun.